Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran. Today, I want to welcome Matt Doherty to our show. Matt is the author of a book that's coming out uh, in March called Rebound, From Pain to Passion, Leadership Lessons Learned. Uh, he is also a college basketball coach. He was uh, played on the championship team at North Carolina in 1982, and he is now an entrepreneur who helps executives and entrepreneurs develop their leadership skills. Welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Matt Doherty. Hey, thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be on your show. Sure, sure. It, Matt, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, now, your book comes out, or it, it will be out March 2nd right? That's right. Okay. Officially. But you've already now are on your second run yes. because of pre-sales? Pre-sales were up uh, around 2000. So Amazon asked us to do a second print and uh, we're ranked uh, the other day, number six in basketball books, right behind Kevin Garnett and right before John Thompson's book. So uh, uh, yeah, really I'm in good company. That is good company. Excellent. So I've, I've read the book. Now, Matt, you and I grew up on Long Island together, and we'll get into that in a second. I actually watched you play in, in high school. But so I read the book and I, the, the endorsements you received for this book, it's like a who's who in college hoops in 1980s and the 90s, right? You had teammates, competitors, coaches, and they used words like integrity, leader, intelligent. I loved Mr. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and student of the game. So I got to ask, how did that make you feel when, you know, after all these years of playing and coaching days, were over, how did that make you feel to get those kind of endorsements? Oh, Brian, it was very humbling. Uh, I don't, I'm like you, I'm Irish Catholic and we feel guilty about asking for favors, but we give people the shirt off our back. Right. So yeah. ask people to do a favor for me, I was hesitant. And fortunately, I have a really good publicist named Cindy Byrne. I nicknamed her Fire because she's always just on fire. And uh, so she did a lot of the asking. Um, but, you know, for Michael Jordan to write the forward. And I, I communicate with Michael, you know, let's say once a month, once every two months, just a text here or there. Um, if I want to go to a game, he, he, he looks out for me, but to write the forward, that's, you know, that's not, you know, that's, that's kind of a big ask. And in 20 minutes, he came 20 minutes. He texts back, said, sure, no problem. I'll do it to have people like Jim Nance, Charles Barkley. And I know Charles a little bit. We, we were the same era. Um, when I see him, he's so gracious. Um, Jim Nance has always been a class act. Um, John Gordon, famous author, uh, he and I have become friends through the leadership business. Um, so to, to one for them to do it and then to do it with the words they used, it, it made me feel good. And, yeah. you know, there, there's been a long time where I've kind of felt good about myself, to be honest with you, um, yeah. because, you know, you go through some, you get knocked down and, I think people can internalize that where the outside world's like, Oh, he just, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but we internalize the failures 
and and try to wear it like an overcoat and it gets heavy and we just need to shed that overcoat and move on uh and and, and you know ho- hold our heads high that is such a great outlook on it and it's funny i've talked to i mean thousands and thousands of incredibly successful entrepreneurs and leaders i don't know a single one of them that hasn't failed like horrifically in their lives. And they just, they almost all of them to a person have said, I wasn't going to let that moment define me. Right now for some of them, it takes months for some, it takes years, but uh, you know, it's incredible because I, I think it was Pat general Patton who said, you know, your success is measured by how high you bounce after you hit the floor. Yeah, I, I like that. I love, I collect quotes and I put them on Twitter uh, every day um, and people appreciate them, but I really do it for myself yeah. because, as a reminder, because we need affirmation, mm-hmm. uh, we need self-affirmation. And I think when down, you get knocked down, it, it was 17 years for me. I put on a good mask, Brian, for a lot of years. I acted like, you know, everything was okay. But deep down, I felt a little bit of a failure. I felt betrayed by, you know, my alma mater. And uh, I didn't really have a, a family, if you will. Um, and I was searching. Uh, I, I told people when I lost my job at North Carolina, it was like falling backwards off the Empire State Building with no safety net. I just yeah. didn't, I was waiting to crash. And, and um, this book has really been been therapeutic when people say, you know, what did you hope to get out of it or what have you gotten out of it? It's been very therapeutic uh, for me to make, um, I think some Oprah Winfrey might've said this, make your mess, your message. Um, I love that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, because I'm not the only one. And I think when people hopefully read it, they realize like misery does like company, right? Oh, and, yeah. And, yep. and so now when you see that, hey, I thought that guy had it together, but he didn't. Wow. So I, I there's hope for me. And and yeah. and that I think is what I one of the things I hope people get out of the book. I definitely did. You know, a, a new kind of mantra is vulnerability is the new invincibility. Right. That seems to be a popular mantra right now. And you know what? There's there's something to be said, you know, in the book you describe, you know, and I won't give too much away. But when you kind of had some resolution for yourself, it was like a 600 pound weight being lifted off of your body. Right. And that had that had to feel like, okay, now I can close this chapter and move on with my life. Right. Yeah, no, it, 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 I had the best night's sleep I had in six years. Um, you need to have crucial conversations. Anger turned inward leads to depression. Yeah. And I was depressed and I dealt with depression. I, I, I never admitted it until I wrote the book um, yeah. because I wanted to be that tough guy from Long Island that, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, get me down. I'll show yeah. you. Yeah. But I, I was down and, um, now I feel a fulfillment that I haven't felt in a long time. I love this. It's so funny, Matt, because I, I probably have done more research and prep work for this podcast than any other podcast that I've done. Because like I said, I, I love basketball. I'm passionate about it. 
I, I followed you. You know, we, we were a couple of years apart in high school, but I was at the game when you beat St. Agnes. And, and with, uh, with your girlfriend cheering? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I promise you. I, I, I was. Why you were at the game? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. You know, I, I, I didn't necessarily come for the game itself, but I did watch that last shot you hit. So there was a there was a lot of prep work that I did going into this, and it's funny. I just never. I, I like. It, it's amazing how we immediately come to this common thread that we all have: leaders, business owners people who've had success in their lives. And that is the, the mental health aspects of your life. You know, life is about mind, body, spirit, right? And when there's an imbalance there, your life is off. It's like, it's like having low pressure on a tire in your car. Mm-hmm. It's not going to ride the same. You're not going to be in alignment. And it sounds like you were out of alignment for many years. So, so, and now I'm jumping all over the place, but did that affect your um, coaching at other universities? Oh, wow. Um, I'm sure it did, Brian. Um, after I left North Carolina, um, and I say this in the book, um, Kevin White, the AD at Duke, was the AD at Notre Dame when I left He was one of the first people to call me after I was forced to resign. He said, take the high road. There's less traffic up there. Great. And I tried to do that. I I tried to do that. And I tried to do that with this book. Um, And then another friend of mine, John Black, who I mentioned in the book, is like saying, hey, man, you, you, you don't apologize like for what happened. Like get this was just after happened. You need to be out. Don't you know, show your face. Don't hide. And yeah. I think that's what sometimes people do. And when you hide, then there's a vacuum and people fill it with whatever narrative they want to fill it with. But if you're present, they'll say, oh, look at him. He bounced back. No big deal. He's on the right track. And, yeah. and, and then you, my wife stole a quote. Of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think who said it. Um, but if you're getting run out of town, Get out front and make it look like a parade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so for two years, I was America's guest. I mean, I did TV. I played golf wherever I wanted to. You know, I did radio. I had a good time. And then I thought I needed to coach again. And right after the press conference, a deep depression came over me. And I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, I'm like, what did I do? And it was a big trigger for everything that happened to me at North Carolina. Yeah. And, and I would go to, I remember going to, a, a, and I wrote about it in the book, um, going to see a, a, a recruiting event um, in the summer in New Jersey at a, at a college. And I pulled the car up to the front of the school. I didn't want to get out. I laid the seat back and I tried to sleep. Yeah. Um, I thought about quitting. My wife, ironically, wouldn't let me quit. Wow. She said, if you, you can't quit on those assistants. Yeah. I mean, talk about strength and toughness and, and a truth teller. Um, that was my wife. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's like it, 
when you have something like that happen to you, it's like being in a major automobile accident, right? And your head is spinning and you don't know which way is up. And you, you do need that guidance, that support system, right? Of your family and friends, the people who, who, as the rest of the world is walking out, you know, they're walking in and saying, how can we help you? Well, you know what? You just, you and I being New Yorkers, you being from Rockwell Center, yeah. you just described 9-11. Oh, yeah. You just described the firemen that went in the building as yeah. everyone was running out. That's what yeah. you just described. That, I'm sorry to change the thinking, but that's, that's what went through my head right there. No, but you know what? That's a great, that's a great point. Like it's, it's, look, we all get knocked down for our listeners right now listening. If you haven't been knocked down, it's coming. I mean, that's, there's, there's no other way to look at it other than nobody gets, goes through life unscathed. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you a good example of mine that I hadn't, wasn't able to share for years. Um, you know, I had a pretty successful career in publishing and in, in 2002, I started my own publishing company and we printed money for about six, seven years. And then the Great Recession hit. And I had I had my business advisor gave me brilliant advice. He said, shut everything down. I had a, a conference group. I had I was building a website. I had three magazines that I published or four magazines. And he said, shut everything down except for this one magazine that makes money. And I didn't listen to him. I'm like, I'm going to ride this through. And man, that tsunami ate me up and spit me out. I wound up having to declare bankruptcy uh, uh, in, in 2010. I did after about 18 months of absolutely the worst. And, and that feeling as you're kind of going down that drain is like, how the hell did I get here? Yep. And, you know, and then I, what do you do, Brian? What do you do? You, you think back on all the what what I should have done, could have done, and you beat yourself up, right? 100%. Oh, yeah. my God. You know, going back to why didn't I just listen to my, my advisor, my coach? If I just listened to him, I, I wouldn't be here. And I mean, it was, it, was, it was really profound. Now, I wound up going back and I worked at the Wall Street Journal. I had a pretty good job there. I thought, so I landed on my feet. And I said to my wife, like, I'm here two years and then I'm going to go back out on my own. And what's interesting about that is, right, when I... Is that your ex-wife now? <laughs> well, oh, my God. God love it. We'll be 30 years in August. And <coughs> Man, she deserves a medal, right, right? For, for the highs and lows that I've given her. Um, but, and that's, again, that goes, you know what? Pick, pick the person you want to be in the foxhole with, Right. And, and so not, not only your, your life partner, but all of the people that you consider to be close friends, right? How important were they to you as you were going through what you went through? Well, I just got a letter, uh, email, a long email just before I came on with you. And I mentioned his name in the book, Bobby Ellington. Yeah. And he wrote a lengthy email. Uh, about different points in the book and basically how proud he was of me, you know, that he loved me and he was more proud of me now than he was when I was announced as the head coach at UNC. Wow. And, you know, like, wow, that, 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 that brought tears to my eyes. How, how great is that too? Because you know what? You, not only did you survive it, 
which is incredible, right? But now you're able to write the narrative. You know, you're able, I learned more things in that book. I thought I knew everything and, and people didn't know your side of the story. I mean, that's what this book really does is it sheds light on it. And I think this is where you're really your, the next chapter for you is going to be one of your greatest chapters. You know, yeah. it's almost, it's almost like saying the best is yet to come. Yeah. Thank you. I, I tell you, there were, you know, uh, I think Churchill, you know, a lot of people suffered from depression. Yeah. You no, know, Theodore Roosevelt, Abe Lincoln, uh, Churchill. And I think Churchill called it the big dog or the black dog, the black dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that black dog, you know, lived in my house for a lot of years and, you know, I, I didn't have much hope. I didn't have much desire. didn't have much fulfillment. I was searching. I yeah. was searching. I was, I was searching. I didn't know where I could find it. And what this book has done for me is given me fulfillment and given me a passion in teaching and coaching. Again, it's just not basketball. I'm teaching and coaching business executives and young people about leadership, team building. Um, and, and it's very fulfilling for me. And I'm excited now where for a while I was like, you know, you lack hope. Yeah, lack hope. sure. And that, that's, that's, that's not good. Well, and, and it's perseverance. I, I think you, uh, there's so much that you have that you can offer to those executives and to those young people. You know, you mentioned that you got that email from Bobby Ellington. What, was there any other surprise responses to the book, either good or bad? Well, I haven't heard any bad responses yet. You know, yeah. I'm sure there are, you know, um, you know, I, I want I want to be a better writer. Like, I'd like to write another book. You know, I already have one in my mind that I'm going to write about. Uh, it's the park uh, that I mentioned in the book and just the, the lessons you learn growing up in the park playing basketball. Um, so I want to become a better writer. So you, with your background, you know, I'd love for you to be a truth teller for me and, um, you know, give me some suggestions. Um, but uh, there, there, there has not been any negative responses thus far. Um, I may probably see that on Twitter because that seems to be the, the place where that would happen. Yeah. Um, there are probably some people maybe close to the program or, you know, that felt like, well, you shouldn't, you know, lift up the hood. Um, but I try to do it in a very delicate, professional, high road manner. Um, yeah. And I felt like, you know, I talked to my, my buddy Bobby again, you know, like I said to him, again, this is the Irish guilt, like, who am I to write a book? You know, yeah. like, why, why, why would people want to hear what I have to say? And he looked at me, he like stopped eating and he looked at me, he says, you have every damn right to write a book and it's a word, it'll be a worthy read, you know, um, because he knew everything that I went through Uh, and some of it was self-inflicted. And that's what I try to share because leadership is the most important topic that's not formally taught. You right. know, who, right. who takes a leader? Who do you know that took a leadership class 
through high school? No. The only leadership lessons we got were when we played a team sport. Right. Right. The only leadership lessons we got was playing pickup in the park. But no formal leadership and self-awareness. And and so when I got lost my job, Brian, and I'm sitting in these classes at Wharton and and UVA, and I'm I'm saying, man, if I would have taken these classes before I was a head coach, maybe I'd still be the head coach at North Carolina. Um, Because there are so many fundamentals that I wasn't aware of. And, um, and that's what I share in the book because I want, I want people to avoid the landmines I stepped on. And that's, and you do, you do, you know, I, 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 again, I probably took more notes on, on, for this podcast, I'm reading your book than I have in any of the other podcasts that I've done. I want to read something because this was right. It's right up in the front of the book and it's probably one of the most impactful passages So in in the forward of your book, Michael Jordan wrote, Matt is smart, methodical, and fundamentally sound. He saw the game. He wasn't the most talented on the team, but he was always calm under pressure. And and then Jordan went on to say, think of this line as I read this. Michael Jordan said, because of Matt, I am a better player. How does that feel to have arguably – the greatest basketball player to ever play the game say that about you. I'm getting goosebumps right now, Brian, uh, for him, one, to take the time to write the forward. And two, he could have had somebody else write it. He could have just, you know, shortchanged it. He spent time yeah, and thought. And for him to say that, yeah, I don't. I really don't have the words to describe, except maybe I feel pride. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of those comments. It makes me feel good. And then, you know, with that, I think he should at least give me some kind of bonus. You know, <laughs> to, to what? What? Yeah, a small commission. Ten like percent of of Nike Air Jordan sales, right? <laughs> I mean, that's only fair. He just admitted, like, if if you were a lawyer, you would be. I think I think you got at least five, at least five percent. Right. I'll take right. I'll take four and a half percent. Right. There you go. And I'll give the rest to the church. <laughs> okay. So speaking of church, I know you have a a strong religious foundation. Uh, you and I, again, that Irish Catholic family growing up on Long Island. How much of a role did faith play? Because in, in not only. Uh, growing up, but in a lot of your life's decisions, because you have some quotes in the book, you lead off chapters with quotes, I think from John and, and I know it's, it's important, but you actually don't write about it until towards the end of the book. Yeah. It, it, you know, my faith has grown um, as I get older mm-hmm. um, and I, it's grown through adversity. And I think that's what God promises us. He doesn't promise us a smooth path. He promises us a rough road. And that creates a need. We, we, we want to go to him. You know, uh, when you're driving off the road, what do you say? Jesus, me, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start praying. Yeah. You know, even an atheist will start praying. So sure. uh, I think that, 
you know, I look at, I look at, and we will not know, Brian, until we're in heaven, why things happen the way they did. Right. So that's why we call it faith. Mm-hmm. Like when we lose, when I lost my job, I had to say, okay, God, I don't understand this. Right. You know, we make plans and God laughs, right? Yeah. So, so it's like, I don't understand this at all, but let me model the behavior that honors you. And that's what I try to do by taking the high road. And it doesn't mean you can't be, we talked about this in church on Sunday, angry. Jesus was angry now. I mean, yeah. he flipped over tables and ran out people at the temple. You know, he got angry. Um, but it's all, you know, is it a rage or is it, you know, a purposeful fire? And so I think that I became closer to God. You know, the, the, the Catholic church and other churches are so different, right? Yeah. And I'm, I married a girl who's non-Catholic, but very religious. So I don't go to Catholic church anymore, but that foundation, you know, I remember <laughs> I'm in Chapel Hill as the head coach. My wife and children are maybe at the beach or something. It's Easter weekend and I'm in town and my mom calls me and my mom, Mary Cleary Darty, rosary beads under the pillow, yeah. uh, you know, the whole nine. Yeah. Uh, she knew where all the parishes were in New York. I moved up to the west side of Manhattan. She goes, so uh, did you go to church at Holy Name? Y- yeah. Like, yeah. She goes, what's your parish? Holy Name or is it St. Raymond's? I'm like, uh, I haven't checked yet, Mom. Yeah. 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 So, so she she calls me. She says, uh, Matthew, did you go to Mass today? Easter Mass. I said, yeah, Ma, I went to church. Okay. Now, you know the difference between Mass and church. Yeah. And she hung up the phone and that's not my mom. But then she called back and she apologized. I said, mom, I said, we all pray to the same God. It's just, I don't have to kneel down as much in the Methodist church. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, a friend of mine who's a, who, who went to seminary said, you know, I, I said, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'd like to be a better Christian. He says, there's no degrees of Christianity. You're either a Christian or you're not. Nice. And I'm like, in, in honor of the, uh, the the great Tom Konchowski, who just passed away, um, I, I give myself a three-star Christian. I'm a, I'm a three-star Christian. I'm right, a, right, I, right. I, I, hey, hey, I look at it as pass fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's, I, I, I have enough conversations with God in my life. And I try and live in his image and do well by others. And I respect the fact that we all believe differently. We have different views of God, but it's, it's important that whatever your religion or your spirituality is, that it drives the way you live and the way you lead. And, 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 you know, you talk about servant leadership, right. In the service of others. And, and that's such an important message. And that's what helped me get through you know, my darkest moments. I said, God is, is testing me. Yes. And, and Mother Teresa talked about it. She said, Mother Teresa of all people, she said, you know, I know God trusts me. No, what did she say? I know God wouldn't give me more than I could handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm right. I'm writing that quote down too. Yeah, I'll send it to you. There's one other one too, and I'll mention this to my listeners. It's called the God of Spinoza. 
And, and it was when Albert Einstein used to be, he used to uh, uh, give speeches or talks around the country. Invariably, people would ask him if he believed in God. And he would, he would say, I believe in the God of Spinoza. And for anybody who's listening, who's inquisitive, Google it. It's, the most, it's one of the most profound things I've ever read in my life. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, pivot just a little bit to talk about that and stay on, on faith and meaning and spirituality, because I think that's so intertwined with leadership, which is what your book is all about. Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's, it's arguably, it's, it's the most important book I've ever read. In the book, he asks, what is the meaning of your life? Because every decision that you make should lead you towards that goal. So it's not like, it's not a goal that you achieve, but it's a, it's a, a destination that you will never arrive at. Right. It's that endless, endless destination. So Matt, what is, after everything you've been through, and you've had an extraordinary life so far, what, what would, is the meaning of your life today? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty simple for me, um, Brian, and I do believe that every good leader, every good company has core values and a mission statement. And my mission statement is to make a positive impact on the people I meet and the groups I work with. Simple. Yeah. Impactful. Um, uh, so I want to, you know, put a smile on people's faces. I want to help them lead better lives. I want the, to, to help them learn and grow. I, I, I have my Doherty coaching practice and the motto is learn and grow. I want people to be lifelong learners and improve um, their, their state and the communities around them. Right. So out of all of the, all of the um, lessons in your book, which are great. You know, it's funny, your book, the way your book is written, it's, it's almost like in two parts and people yes. should read it that way. That first part I read in a day and a half, I literally just sat down and I couldn't put the book down. That second part, I think it's like chapter 21 yes. is really one. It, it's almost like a reference guide. That is exactly what I wanted. I should have made it maybe an addendum uh, or, or reference that's exactly what I wanted it to be. I want people to use the book as a reference. So when they are all of a sudden making a big decision at work, and if it's something I wrote about it, they pull it off the shelf and say, okay, he talked about hiring right. right. He talked about firing right. He talked about managing change. He talked about motivation. So they can use that book as a reference. Thank you for picking up on that. That's the, that was the intention. Sure. Um, well, you're in good company because Stephen King wrote a book of all the books that he's written. And I've read a number of them. The best book he ever wrote was a book called On Writing. And I highly recommend it. If you want to improve your uh, writing skills, 100% buy this book. Stephen King, On Writing. The first part of it is his life story. And you talk about somebody who, you know, did not have the best upbringing. It really just, you know, it, it's an amazing story. The second half of the book 
he teaches people how to write. And it's phenomenal. And I keep that book, you know, it's, it's something that I constantly reference. I don't need to read his life story over and over again, right. but I do need to read that second half of the book, which is what your book is. And so I, you will see my copy of Rebound. This, you know, the second half is going to be dog-eared, highlighted, maybe a coffee stain. Um, out of all of the lessons that you wrote about, all of the lessons that you learned, what has been the most important lesson for you? Uh, I think the, the story about emotional intelligence. Um, I think understanding emotional intelligence. Uh, I lacked that uh, when I was, uh, took over at North Carolina. Um, I think that uh, having a better awareness of, of the people and their makeup around you. Um, they're not all like you. They're not all like me and understanding that and then being able to reach their heart, connect with their heart. The, the, the book that really made an impact on me was Dan Goldman's book, uh, Primal Leadership, The Art of Emotional Intelligence. Great book. And that book impacted my life mm -hmm. because in it, it talked about leadership is a learned behavior and I didn't know leadership, you know, back when I grew, when we grew up, it was like, you're a born leader. So you're either a leader or you're not. Right. And that really gave me hope that I could improve. And that's when I was embarking on my leadership journey. Yeah. I, and, and that's always the question, right? Leadership, nature versus nurture. Right. I, I think, you know, you're either born six foot seven or you're born, born six feet. Right. And that's going to determine, you know, you can play in the NBA. What's that? But you both can play in the NBA. Of course you could. Of course you could. That's true. I wasn't playing in the NBA, Matt. Right. <laughs> my point is, uh, yes, some people are born with different gifts. Right. And so, you know, some leaders are born on second base. You know, some people yeah. have to get on base and maybe they strike out a couple times. Maybe they have to bunt their way on. But you can become, you know, you don't have to be that charismatic, good-looking person who can shake hands and kiss babies. Right. Because a lot of those people are not great leaders. They look like great leaders and they can fool people. Right. And I think sometimes the, the greatest leaders find themselves in a position later on in life when it's, the, it's almost like a revelation. Things have been revealed. As our mutual friend now, Pat Croce, likes to say, the universe unfolds exactly how it was meant to be. How about that? Yeah. And, and that is something that, that I, I, I learned and I, I've come to appreciate. And I really honestly believe, Matt, with all of your success uh, at Carolina, being named Coach of the Year, coaching at, at Notre Dame, and, and now with your... Uh, you know, coaching Doherty practice, your Vistage uh, business, all of that. I think, honestly, that your greatest chapter is about to be written. Yeah, thank you, uh, yeah. Brian. That gives me, uh, makes me feel good that you would say that. Um, I I'm excited, and I haven't been this excited about me <laughs> in a long time, in probably close to 20 years. And, and uh, 
you know, to, to say that is kind of sad, to be honest with you, but it's also uh, exciting knowing that um, hopefully I have, you know, 20 plus years uh, to give. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so, you know, we're kind of in that home stretch now of our, of our podcast. So I have a, just a couple of questions. I, I want you to look back and, and it's um, June of uh, 2000. Right. And you, you're you're on the golf course and, and you get the phone call that uh, Bill Guthridge, right, uh, has, has retired. What does Matt Darty today say to Matt Darty on that golf course? Don't pick up the phone. <laughs> put the there phone, you go. Put the phone in your golf bag and turn it on mute to enjoy a round of golf. Um uh, that I joke, jokingly say in the book that, you know, I, I checked the voice message and then the next shot was a shank. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, you know, yeah. Why is Coach Guthridge retiring now? Shank. Yeah. Roy Williams will probably be the next coach at North Carolina. Shank. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the thing, um, I wouldn't do anything different at that point because right. I immediately called Coach Smith a few days later and said, you know, hey, uh, everyone knows Coach Williams is going to take the job at North Carolina. If Kansas calls me, should I take it? Because he was a Kansas alum. He knew the AD. You know, he had a lot of, you know, power in college athletics. Yeah. He said, no, you, you're on the short list here. Roy hadn't, you know, it's not a done deal yet with Roy. Right, right. But I would have kept the phone. Don't, when you're on the golf course, Keep your phone in your car. Be in the moment. Be, Be in, in the, moment. the moment right Be now. Be the ball, Danny. Be the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great advice. All right. One other question. It's June uh, 1984. You're at a, a basketball camp, right? And you yes. get, and, and, and the director comes over, whispers, sixth round, Cleveland. I, I, I fought back to tears. Uh, yeah. Brian. I was in front of about 700 campers. I fought back to tears because that's not the plan. That was not my plan. My plan was to be at least a third round pick and to play in the NBA for the Knicks or the Celtics. And that was one of the first times, maybe the second time where I realized, you know what? I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to play in the NBA. So is that, is that where you say like a good leadership course or good leadership advice would have told you that sometimes life doesn't go according to plan, that yeah. there will be disappointments in your life. And you, Matt, I, I mean, you tasted small, not small, but you tasted disappointment in your losses on the basketball court, but it seems like you are always able to redeem them. You got that true mountaintop moment, right? Yeah. Well, you, in, 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 you know, in the game, um, you know, you have another game, you have another season. Yeah. But when someone says you're done, you can't play anymore. You know, basically you're not good enough. You know, where was I going to turn? Basketball was done for me. Basically I could have gone maybe to Europe or, so I said, screw it. I, you, you know, I, I, in the book, I said, it's like a divorce, you know, like yeah. my girlfriend breaking up with me and I loved her and we had great times together and now yeah. she doesn't need me anymore. So I'm like, screw you, I'm out. And I went to work on Wall Street. Okay, Matt, this was 
fantastic. I, I do want to have another podcast with you. And because there's so much more to cover about your story and about leadership lessons. So uh, can we get you back on maybe in the middle of March Madness to do round two? We'll make it we'll, we'll make it to the sweet 16 of my podcasts. Yeah. And I think we need to budget like two hours instead of an hour. Yeah, you know, I think you and I, uh, we could talk all day. Uh, and and some things the the listeners might not care for, like growing up uh, in Hicksville and and, and, and Rockville Center. Yeah. Uh, but w- I'd like to do a deeper dive into the leadership aspect, where we can maybe hopefully help some of the listeners as they navigate the rough seas of entrepreneurship. Let's do it. I look thank forward to it. Thank you. All right, Matt Doherty. Thank you very much for being our guest today. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and hopefully you had a lot of great takeaways from today and uh, I will see you next week on another edition of the small business edge podcast. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. You've been listening to the small business edge podcast with Brian Moran sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com for a listing of future podcasts.